Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with my co-host, Ashvin, and today we are talking about They Live from 1988, directed by John Carpenter, starring Roddy Piper, Keith David, and Meg Foster. And honestly, Ash, had you heard of this one? Um, no, I don't think I had. Had you? Oh, I mean, like, what did you hear about it? I had, but I think the biggest reason I picked it is because I want to emulate the uh, nerds at my local nerdy DVD rental store. Oh. They'll... And there was a, there's a poster of They Live up on the wall there. Oh, man. That's pretty cool. That's a nice resource to have, like, right around the corner. Just like a... Yeah, I love this place. Yeah. If anybody store. is listening to this in Nashville, it's called Orbit DVD. Cool. And is horror movies, like, their thing, or they do everything? They do everything. They have, like, a lot of comic books and other nerdy type stuff, um, like role-playing games. They have, like, figurines of horror movie icons. Oh, okay. That, like, super nerds buy for, like, $300. Oh, cool. That's um, awesome. And they, yeah, they do movie rentals and sell movies, but their horror movie section is huge. So, in awesome. a way, they kind of specialize in horror. That's awesome. I guess that's what you have to do today to, like, be in, still, like, in the DVD business. I mean, you got to be kind of niche or, like, you know, really... Uh, stand out from like the blockbuster model. I thought that's cool. They actually yeah, do that. Yeah, they're like a specialty shop. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so this movie is about a down on his luck drifter who stumbles upon the fact that aliens are taking over the earth right under our noses. And it's pretty sci fi. This is almost on the border of horror. Yeah, why do you think this is, uh, I, I was really confused, like, how is this considered a horror film? Yeah, it gets tough, the definition of horror. Um, I, he's in a horrifying situation where, like, all the people around you are not who you think they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that qualifies as horror, but there's no real scene where you're scared. Although there's one scene I think is borderline scary and just plain awesome that we'll get to. Okay. Uh, kind of the, one of the reveal scenes. Yep. But uh, it's definitely sci-fi. It's kind yeah. of like an aliens body snatcher type theme. Yeah, kind of. It also like kind of felt like kind of Twilight Zoney at, at certain parts. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it, it's kind of like a tech horror? Uh, like tech horror, yeah. You know, I was thinking today, um, like the modern day uh, version of this. I like. Black Mirror, right? I think we've talked about how maybe that's like a modern day tech horror. Um, yeah, yeah, we did. And I, I can't remember see- if it's tech horror or techno horror, but go on. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see some like I could see the plot of this movie being like a Black Mirror episode in a way where like someone finds a you know glasses and they can see stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I would say it, it is technology related. Yeah, and like a TV signal seems to be a crux of the plot. Yeah, right. It, it reminded me of Videodrome in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, where it's all, like, coming, like, a broadcast plays a big role in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the part of it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and John Carpenter, for the horror noobs that listen, he did Halloween, uh, The Thing, and some of, some movies that weren't necessarily horror, well, The Fog, that's horror, mm-hmm. uh, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China. You ever see either of those? I haven't seen any of those. Have you? Uh, I've seen Escape from New York. 
That's with Kurt Russell as Snake Bliskin, who's kind of an iconic character. Yeah, I've seen the cover for that. That's not a horror film, though, is it? No, it's like sci-fi action. Okay. So did John Carpenter kind of, uh, it sounds like his earlier films were more in horror, like Halloween, The Thing, and then uh, as he got later on, did it become like more sci-fi then? It was kind of all over the place. Halloween was 78, The Fog was 80, Escape from New York was 81, The Thing was 82, Big Trouble in Little China was 86, and then Prince of Darkness was in 87. So he's kind of bouncing back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And he kind of has a thing for working with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> in the 80s, yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, man, he was uh, in, uh, what, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Oh, yeah, you're right. The second one? I guess they made him look young, but I think that he was in there as an old yep. man, too, or as his current age. He was the guy, like, living on a planet somewhere? <laughs> yeah, that could be anybody. <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. That's you. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the the main role here that was played by Roddy Piper was supposed to. It was kind of like written for Kurt Russell. Oh wow, and yeah. and uh, what did he turn down or something? I think John Carpenter just felt like, oh, I keep doing everything with Kurt Russell. I'll try somebody else. Yeah, it's time. And so he chose Roddy Piper, a professional wrestler. It was like time to see other people take a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And and this guy does he have much of a back? He seems like just a like a like a Russell, like a Hulk Hogan type. Not a lot of film cred. I don't think he has any acting background. I mean, you could argue that professional wrestling is acting. I mean, it is <laughs> to a large extent. But um, no, I don't think he had any other credits to his name. Yeah, from right. what I remember, at least not before this. Right, and I f- I felt like that part kind of showed. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is based on a short story from 1963 called Eight O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read that. I, yeah, I would too. I, I bet that's like a great read. Because, uh, yeah, the, the premise and the content are, are really cool here. Yeah, I think there were some mistakes in this movie, so I'd be interested to read the short story that probably doesn't have the same mistakes. Yeah. Like Roddy Piper isn't in the short story. Right. Yeah, that that'd be interesting. Um, are do you know if any of this guy's other um, books became movies? I don't. I didn't look into that guy too much. I don't think so. Okay, uh, but I could be wildly incorrect. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this was like kind of his big book, and I don't think he had too much more after it. Um, <laughs> did you notice any particular scene in this movie that was way longer than it needed to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like seven minutes longer than it needed to be. <laughs> so this movie's ended up on some like best movie fights of all time list because there is a ridiculous brawl that lasts so long. It literally is like six or seven minutes. Yeah, and it, and it has like nothing to do with the plot. It's just like this randomly. No, no, not at all. <laughs> we'll talk more about that one later, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that oh, that's boy. like a famous part of this movie. Yeah. This is a, an interesting movie. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think this was at number one at the box office very briefly, <laughs> but then it got quickly knocked off, and I think it was kind of thought of as a a miss, like yeah. a, a whiff at the box office. 
I, I read uh, a lot of John Carpenter's movies are like that. Like he, actually, a lot of his films, like he, he, Halloween, was a big one, and maybe like one or two other ones. But a lot of them were like uh, commercial failures. But then, like later on, like they've been picked up as like kind of cult favorites, or you know, people have gotten behind them. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think that is true. Although this had a budget of three million and it made thirteen million, so it's not like it lost money. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's not bad. No, that's it's a, just not epic. It's a good ROI. But uh, would you say a lot of that $13 million has come about like in the last like 20 years versus like what came out like around like the five years that it came out? I need to learn more about that box office number because if it says box office, that should just mean theaters, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We need to, need to dig into that. We're doing a movie podcast here. I know. We should, we should understand the economics behind movies. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just paid, like, two bucks to watch this, so I feel like that number should have gone up a little bit. Oh, I'll, I'll uh, correct the number here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 13, $13 million and $2. Um, that, you know, that's that's an interesting thing about uh, John Carpenter. So his movies weren't, like, a lot of them weren't big hits uh, until later. Like, people went back and saw them. I feel like a lot of things, like, for example, in Chicago, uh, last summer there was, like, a Save by the Bell pop-up. And now, like, people at, you know, of our age, like, they're like, oh, Save by the Bell, great, is, like, classic. And, like, you know, it's, like, the shitty show from the 90s, like, people are crazy about now. And just because people, like, a cult following picks up afterwards, does that really mean it was good back then? Or is there, like, a nostalgia factor going on? Man, that's a great question. I think a nostalgia factor. I think... See our Friday the 13th episode and how much Jason, our guest, <laughs> loves the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. I, I think part of that is, is nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly. I can say that because he's not here to <laughs> yeah. argue. Exactly. He's somewhere kicking himself listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I get that sense a lot. So I kind of man our Twitter account and I follow all these horror people. Yeah. And just in, like, the horror Twitter, there's generally a lot of that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like people, and I think that's why each of us kind of like horror movies so much is it reminds us of our childhoods and, like, early adolescence. Sure. Like, kind of doing things you weren't supposed to or, like, watching a movie with all your friends. Yeah. Yeah. So people seem to have, like, a a whole lot of love for movies that are just average. Yeah, but that they saw as a kid and... And, like, they're crazy about it as a kid or something. Yeah. It's yep. associated with a time and a memory. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I could see that. Um, um, oh, go was, ahead. I was wondering, like, um, I, I remember we watched uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, and that was, like, when, when did that movie come out? So the original came out in the 50s. I don't know. I want to say, like, 53. I have no idea. Okay. And then the, we watched the remake with... Um, yeah, that uh, Donald Sutherland. That was right. like seventy six or something. Yep, mid seventies. Okay, uh, so before this, would you say like these are pretty similar though? Um, a little bit. Yeah, similar concept for sure. Yeah, like aliens taking over human bodies. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but kind of a subgenre all its own. Yeah, where like kind of people are possessed and other other people can't tell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What 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 other films? Uh, are there are there other ones that you think have like done that pretty well? Hmm. You, you know, I have. There's a movie. Uh, this title just comes to me as we're talking about this, called uh, "They Look Like People." Have you heard of that? 
I have heard of that. I've never seen it. I haven't either, but I imagine it's got a similar plot, given the title. But who knows? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love to watch more of these movies. It's an interesting concept to me. Yeah, it's an interesting way to like do sci-fi and horror. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a remake of this that's been kicked around in development, but it seems like one of those things where it probably will never actually happen. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what's kind of funny. <laughs> like someone's like written a script or something. They have like a director on play, but not, there's like been no uh, progress on it. Yeah. It's just like on the bottom of somebody's pile of papers on their desk somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was freaking out during this movie because so the, an iconic scene is the dude puts these sunglasses on and the sunglasses allow him to see like the aliens and the aliens world. Um, so there's a scene where he's like taking on and putting off the sunglasses and seeing stuff. Yeah. And I just saw that spoof somewhere and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out where. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know if it was like on a commercial, but it was just like, oh my gosh, like I just saw this and I didn't know it was from this movie when I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I bet we've missed out on like a lot of pop culture references. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, go ahead. Oh no, that, that, that is a really cool visual and it's, it's pretty sweet that, that they did that. Yeah, I like that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, sidebar. I realize how much I say go ahead and for sure. So look out for more of those. Wait, what? You say go ahead. What? I say go ahead a lot when oh. like the two of us are talking at the same time. Oh, okay. And for sure. And when you say something and I agree with it, I go for sure. Oh. For sure. Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll keep yeah. an eye ear out for it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so there's also a quote in this that was so familiar to me. It's... Towards the end, this dude in that bunker who says, like, they own the whole planet. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And that quote is in a song called Indy 500 by a kind of underground rap group called Binary Star. Yeah. And... Have you ever heard of them? No. I haven't. Have you? (laughs) Yeah. My buddy here in Asheville is a huge hip-hop fan and he gave me that cd so it was in my car like on repeat for the longest time so that quote was like so familiar to me and that drove me crazy too until i did some digging yeah wow uh binary star the album's called masters of the universe it's It's a a great album and it's a hip-hop album yeah Uh, so check it out yeah you should there there were like a few like really good quotes in this movie um yeah i'm just kind of over the top kind of silly but uh, it was good the the dialogue went from like the dumbest cheesiest thing ever to like some pretty deep substantial <laughs> yeah stuff yeah so yeah it's kind of cool yeah yeah for sure yeah you know surprisingly like on surface it felt kind of like a dumb movie but like the, the concept is like really interesting and it's like something that like after watching it like you kind of think about you know how true it is and when reading the comments on this movie people like you know, in like, you know, comments from like a year ago are being like, wow, you know, this is so true. And like, this is going on today. And, you know, there, there's so much like powerful commentary in this movie, um, which I'm sure, you know, we'll talk about later. But it's, it's just interesting how this movie has uh, stayed relevant through time. For sure. Yeah, I guess we haven't mentioned like the commentary and the theme is like out of John Car- Carpenter's mouth, yuppies and unrestrained capitalism. And it was in 1988, so it was kind of a criticism of Reaganomics and the Reagan era in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the aliens were kind of like 
subliminal messaging people to consume and yeah just be so overrun by capitalism that and consumerism that they're not paying attention right yeah so <laughs> that part of it was pretty rad yeah that's pretty deep for like a horror movie to take on <laughs> like a, a political and like economic uh environment something yeah like. i love that about it yeah uh, that quote, yuppies and understanding capitalism, came from a tweet from John Carpenter, I think within the past couple of years, mm-hmm. because he had to shut down rumors. Have you heard this? Like, neo-Nazis have a conspiracy theory that this movie is about how Jewish people have taken over the world? Oh my god, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, yeah. Wow. And so, and so yeah. he had to come out and say it's not Jewish people, it's yuppies? Yep. Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah, those guys will cling on. Which to just anything. like confirms everything I already thought about these neo Nazis. Yeah, that they're just like they're grasping nerdy white guys sitting in their houses, like watching yeah movies and being on their computers. <laughs> Unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really mean versions of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, 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 that's really cool that that that, uh, that he did that. Yeah. Uh, any other background you have on this movie? Um, no, I mean, what's your take on John Carpenter? Like, do do you like him? Yeah, I do. Halloween's awesome, and The Thing's great, and I need to see The Fog. Yeah. Um, Escape from New York kind of suffered from some of the same stuff as this, like the pacing and a little bit boring at times, but a lot of people love that movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that, and I think I've only seen Halloween out of all those. We watched the thing, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, how, about, how about you, man? Um, I, I'm still on the fence with them. I mean, like, yeah, I liked Halloween. I think I like the thing. This one, uh, you know, we'll talk about. Um, uh, and I, I think it's really cool that he does his own music. Uh, yes, it is. I I almost sometimes wonder if he's like a better musician than he is a filmmaker. Um, but he's he's got a very distinct film style, which I'll, I'll give him that. Like. He's kind of carved out like his own, you know, carpenter style of, of shooting and storytelling, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And man, that Halloween theme is just so iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Some Did of it. his music kind of reminds me of some of your music. Oh, really? Oh, I like the synthy stuff, actually, that he does. It's, it's just, cool. yeah, the synth heaviness of it. Yeah. Like, he's just got a knack for melodies. Yeah. I think you do, too. Uh, thanks, man. Um, do you ever want to plug your, your music stuff on this podcast or should we back away from that? Um, uh, it's, it's, it seems, uh, a conflict of interest. (laughs) 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 I don't want to, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Um, did you recognize any of the other actors? I mean, Roddy Piper, he he was a wrestler. Yeah, he was. And then, uh, Keith David, who played his buddy Frank was in the thing. Okay, cool. So I recognize him. How about you? Anybody else? No, but I thought the actress Meg Foster was kind of crazy weird. Um, there's something weird about her eyes where I thought she was blind <laughs> half the time. But, yeah. uh, and, and then I, I noticed a lot of similarities with Dawn of the Dead. This movie kind of reminded me of, of that because actually that one also tried to critique society and make some claims about uh, you know c- consumerism. Uh, so I, I thought I, I kind of felt a similar vibe here. I don't know if you felt that at all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely similar commentary for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, I just said it. Um, what happened? So John Carpenter oh. does his the music 
as we mentioned, but he worked with a dude named Alan Howarth mm-hmm. or Howarth. Yeah. They do music together on like a few of his movies. Okay. Um, and this dude has received like Academy Awards for sound effects and sound design. And he grew up in Cleveland Whoa. playing in local rock bands. Alan Howarth? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Good good connection there. Uh, isn't, isn't Cleveland also mentioned in the movie at one point? It is, yeah. Well, I think Frank, his buddy, is like, where did they come from? And, and a classic Roddy Piper line, he goes, well, they didn't come from Cleveland or something. Or they ain't from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, should we move on to the plot here? Yeah, let's get on to the plot. Sounds good. All right, cool. Hey, uh, before we do, I have this pair of sunglasses. I feel like they're just not quite right for me. Mm-hmm. And I can see from out my window this dude walking down the street, and he's just got, like, the perfect head shape for he- these glasses. So um, I'm going to run down and see if he wants them. <laughs> All right. All right. Good luck. All right, cool. Bye. Be right back. Bye-bye. Okay, we're back. What happened? Did you get him to wear the sunglasses? That did not go as planned. He, like, refused to wear them. He just kept saying no. Yeah. And so we just started kicking each other's asses. Yeah, you were gone for, like, 20 minutes, man. Yeah, I I think it was about seven minutes. (laughs) About seven minutes long. At seven minutes, you guys looked at the watch. You're like, all right. Yeah. Uh, We were like, should we keep fighting? Yeah. Had you, I've, I've seen that meme like one place before and I had no idea like the context of it. And I thought it was like the craziest thing when I saw it. And then when I saw this movie where that scene happens, I was like, ah, oh, that's where this is from. Were you aware of that scene going into this movie? I was not, no. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> randomly seen it at some point. I, I just thought it was so bizarre. Yeah, it was very bizarre. So we'll yeah. get to that point of the plot, but essentially this giant fist fight is over. One dude wants another dude to wear these sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not like the other dude knows that they're special sunglasses. He's just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to wear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they're like suplexing each other and like smashing stuff on each other's heads. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's pretty over the top. Okay. Uh, before we get into the plot, I just, I feel like I want to call out some of the great one-liners in this movie. All right. Okay. So I've got a list. First nice. one. I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> that was one of the best. Yeah. I can really picture Kurt Russell saying these. I'm a little disappointed he wasn't in this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, next. Mama don't like no tattletales. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's just mama don't like tattletales. Uh, the next one, beat your feet. Meaning run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a weird one. I, I wasn't sure I understood that when he said it. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you really needed the context. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just like, beat your feet. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, brother, life's a bitch and she's back in heat. Yeah, I got that one written down. <laughs> that was <a> <laughs> Sorry to take all these. Are there any you want to say before I keep going? No, no. I think he hit the ones I had. Uh, 
there's going to be hell to pay because I ain't daddy's little boy no more. <laughs> and get set to sweat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So can we agree, like, that this movie, uh, no script was written. It was just we came up with these, like, hilarious one-liners, and then they just kind of made a plot around it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the one-liners <laughs> were pretty bad. The script... The script was, like, really great and really bad in a lot of ways. I thought the great part of the script was these one-liners. Was there more to the script? <laughs> like, I, I think you just, like, summarized the whole movie in those, like, six lines. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to think that I'm sure if you get the DVD and, like, look at the scene menu, that's what the scenes are probably all titled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, each chapter. <laughs> um, and this is all coming from this like muscle bound, horrible actor with like a mullet. Yeah, exactly. You don't think those lines were in the book, do you? I am 100% sure they weren't in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was just kind of like improving. Maybe they were lines. Maybe beat your feet. Yeah, those sound like lines if you're like a wrestler. And like the, uh, what, what are they called? W, uh, WWF or whatever. Um, yeah. These are like things like you would hear like on a wrestling rink, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's how dumb they are. <laughs> yeah, but, but they fit it so well because this guy is kind of a, you know, he's got the built and the acting of a wrestler. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we open with this dude. He looks kind of homeless, like a decently dressed clean homeless person he's just kind of wandering and they're playing the main motif what becomes the main motif of the movie and it's kind of like a western sounding yeah melody what did you think of that i wasn't a fan it was like a yeah, few me neither yeah it was like a few bass notes but then on the fourth measure the last bass note it's like kind of delayed and it's a very slow movie as it is so like having that uh that kind of pacing for the music just like made it feel like a lot longer yeah yeah, it just felt like the music to, like, a slow, drawn-out Western. Yeah. And I liked the music other than that, but that was the motif they played through the, the majority of the movie, and it was just like, out of place to me. Yeah, they kind of overplayed it, too, I think. Agreed. Because it yeah. was, like, a very simple motif. It was, like, a few notes. Yeah, dun-dun, dun-dun, dun or something. <laughs> it's, like, really yeah. basic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what it kicks off with, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's this drifter. He gets a job on a construction site, makes a buddy, and his buddy hooks him up with this, like, shantytown slash homeless camp slash soup kitchen type place. D um, yeah. On, on the construction site, uh, did you find it funny, like, the clothes that they these constructions workers wear? Like, he's, like, without a shirt and just, like, <laughs> in a pair of khakis. And it, it almost felt like they're, like, male strippers, like, at a construction site. Yeah, there's, like, a really blatant shot of him, like, swinging this pickaxe with no shirt on and, like, wiping <laughs> his brow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the camera really hones in on his naked torso there for a while. Yeah, they're trying to drive some value from that. Yeah. So they're in this, like, homeless shanty town type thing, and the first clue that something's off is that they're watching this TV, and there's a broadcast interruption of a dude talking and he's it's kind of like meandering and you don't catch all of what he says but one of the things he says is their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness they've been setting up an oppressive society where the poor and underclasses are mistreated and social justice and racial justice do not exist mm -hmm. so social commentary but also he's trying to explain like what these aliens are doing you wrote you wrote all that down 
Yeah, I don't know why. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds sounds um, a lot smarter when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he the main character whose name is never said through the whole movie. Oh, good point. He's credited as Nada, which is Spanish for nothing. Mm-hmm. But um he starts together that there's something going on and he sees in this like main office of the soup kitchen where the like volunteers or workers go to to like cook the meals and whatever something's going on in there um and eventually the camp gets bulldozed by the police and he then makes his way into this office area and it's clear that they've got something secret going on um and i think there's something spray painted on the walls that says like they live, we sleep, or something oh, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So he finds these sunglasses there. There's boxes and boxes of these sunglasses. Um, so he's walking down the street, and he tries these sunglasses on while he's oh, looking at a billboard. Yeah. One quick thing before that. Uh, what did you think of that scene? Because this is kind of a long sequence where the police are, like, bulldozing down the shanty town. And, like, they're beating, like, this uh, black guy, this black priest, and, and all these homeless people. Um, and, and that went on for, like, ten minutes. I, and I thought that, like, you know, by today's standards, like, that's a pretty disturbing scene. What, yeah, what did you think of that? Yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah. It was, like, police brutality on, like, these homeless poor people. Right. Like, what? why would they do that to just, like, a bunch of homeless people, like, mow them down? Yeah, exactly. And it's weird because I, I feel like that, like, is something you might see today on, like, you know, how... Well, you know what you're seeing in the news today with like you know people shooting videos of you know these these police beatings and stuff and uh, you know to see this like in the coming out of the 80s like I thought that was like kind of a powerful scene. Yeah, there is a lot about this movie that felt pretty relevant. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a, a rough one to watch. Yeah. So he's got these sunglasses that he found in this office, and he's walking down the street. He's looking at a billboard that says "Come to the Caribbean" or something. It's like a vacation billboard probably from a tourist agency which existed back then and it's like a woman in a bikini and then he puts these sunglasses on and it's just a black and white billboard that says marry and reproduce yeah and so then he starts looking around at all this other stuff and signage and billboards and it says stuff like obey buy stuff he looks down at somebody who's holding money in their hand and it just says this is your god on the money yeah and then he sees a dude who has the face of presumably an alien. It's kind of like a robotic skull type thing. What did you think of the appearance of these guys? Yeah, it kind of looked like uh, like almost like X-ray vision. Like they look like skeletons in a way. Um, I, you know, I, I, the alien part didn't strike me right away. I just thought like uh, you can see like these skeletons or something. Um, but yeah, I guess they're supposed to be aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, I mean, did yeah, you think so- they were scary? I thought it was, I thought they were kind of freaky looking for sure. Yeah. Um, like it wasn't necessarily set up to be scary because it's just like a dude who's reading a magazine, but his face is a alien. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Basically like a human skull, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think where it gets a little creepy is he's in a convenience store and he sees people like this and one of them catches on and it's a woman 
And she like brings her watch to her mouth and like speaks into the watch and says, I've got one that can see. And then like everybody in the store like starts like striding towards him. Yeah. And they've got these creepy faces and it's just like, whoa. I don't know. Did you think that was? Did uh, that get you at all? No, nah, I don't remember being scared, but it, it did kind of feel like uh, Walking Dead or something where you have this mob of like zombies or something uh coming down on someone i guess it's pretty suspenseful yeah i didn't yeah i don't even know if scary really was the right word i like started laughing and like kind of had the chills at the same time oh <laughs> yeah it was just i just thought it was cool yeah um so he freaks out and goes on this like shooting rampage and takes a woman hostage they go back to her house to have this really awkward, slightly sexually charged scene. Yeah. <laughs> was that awkward to you? It was. Everything about her was... Well, everything about him was awkward, too. But, yeah, their whole interaction was, like, two people who've, like, never met before or ever interacted with someone before. And it was, like, trying to watch them, like, figure out, like, how to have a conversation, which it was really a conversation. I mean, she was a hostage, so you got to give her that. But, um, yeah, I, 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 that, was, that was really hard to watch. Yeah, it was. It was a rough scene. Poorly yeah. acted. Yep. Uh, and the dialogue there was pretty bad, too. Eventually, he tracks down his buddy from the construction site. And his buddy's like, stay away from me. Because he's, like, on TV and he's wanted because he just, like, shot up a bank. He's only killing the aliens that he can see through the sunglasses. Um, so he finds his buddy, tries to get him to put the sunglasses on. We proceed to have seven minutes of a fist fight over these sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. He's like, put them on. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I like start fighting again. Yeah. And, and each, like, they'll, they'll like fight like for like two minutes. And like one will be on the ground. The other guy will get up and start walking away. Then the other guy will get up and like start beating him up and get that guy on the ground. And then he'll start walking away. <laughs> they just kept like getting up and getting up fighting again. Do you know yeah. what was what was the genesis of like this fight scene? Like, was it supposed to be like a funny joke or something? It wasn't supposed to last that long, but then like John Carpenter liked it so much, he just kept the whole thing in there. Oh, and like Roddy Piper's a professional wrestler. I think like him and Keith David like worked on it in their spare time, and like uh, yeah, I get the impression that then like everybody on set was like, oh, holy crap, they're really going for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're like all getting a kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So this fight's too long, and I think this is the beginning of, like, knowing that clearly there are pacing issues because then, like, the two of them are in the know that, like, something's going on and these aliens are, like, running the world. And they're just kind of, like, hanging out and deciding what to do for forever, it feels like. Yeah, they, like, go to a hotel. <laughs> yeah, there's just, like, they, a they real there. long lull. Uh-huh. Um, so eventually they meet up with this dude that ran the camp, the homeless camp, and it turns out they've got this whole underground alien activist thing going on, and they go to a meeting of this group, and there they learn that the aliens are just using Earth's resources up, and then they'll move on, and they have a broadcast signal beaming from somewhere that essentially hypnotizes people into this, you know, capitalistic zombiedom. Mm -hmm. uh, so then the police end up raiding and the police are all like aliens if you look at them through the sunglasses yep 
the police raid this little meeting and Roddy Piper ends up with a, one of the aliens watches and it turns out that they can use them to teleport. So he teleports him and Frank to, they're not sure where they're going, but they end up at this like underground bunker. And then they're having this banquet at this bunker. Like it's kind of clear through the movie. Did you catch on to the fact that everybody who was an alien was like kind of a well-to-do person? Oh yeah. Yeah. The aliens are the ones uh, like in power, like the really rich ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they're having this banquet and some of them are aliens and some at the banquet are people who have just decided to ride this wave inside with the aliens. Um, yeah, long story short, they, they meet somebody down there from the homeless camp who I think has some of the best dialogue in the movie. He's like the one who said that quote about like, they're running the whole show. Oh, and he's like, we all sell out every day. Like what's wrong with just going with the flow here? Wait, that guy that they meet down there, who's like part of the crew now, he used to be in the homeless shelter. I think so. He's from somewhere earlier in the movie. Is he yeah. from somewhere else? I, I mean, I think you're right, because he's like, yeah, you know, it's good to see you guys finally made it or something, or nice to see you again down here. But I don't remember ever seeing that guy earlier in the movie. Um, but, yeah, may, maybe you're you're right. Uh, maybe yeah. he was from the homeless camp. I think he was. And so, yeah, he just assumes, like, oh, these guys are on the alien side, too. Like, good to see you guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he just makes some really good, like, commentary there about how, like, we're all like kind of willingly like selling out and buying into this society. Yeah. So like, what's the harm? Yeah. He kind of explains the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I think he's the best actor in the movie actually. It's kind of <laughs> bit part. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, these guys kind of start shooting up the bunker and some fighting happens and it turns out that the woman that he took hostage is there. She works for this local news station and this news studio is like down in the bunker too. So it's kind of clear that this news station is just like an arm of the aliens little organization. Roddy Piper ends up on the roof. There's this giant satellite beaming the signal and he destroys it and is shot at the same time and dies. Yep. And then after he does that, we start to like, we see shots of people all over the world beginning to see the aliens for what they are. Like everybody can see it now because they're no longer hypnotized by this signal. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how it ends. Oh, it ends with people in a bar watching a TV with somebody on like a talking head saying that filmmakers like George Romero and John (laughs) Carpenter have to show more restraint with sex and violence. Yeah, Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. And then, of course, the next scene is a pair of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the movie that's ends. That's like the ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you say it was like a very self-aware movie? Like it kind of understood its flaws and embraced it and just like went over the top with like being kind of cheesy? I think in a lot of ways, yes. I, I don't know if it always knew just how cheesy it was, but I don't know. I can't decide what these cheesy 80s action movies lines if they were like I think they probably were tongue in cheek John Carpenter seems smarter than that yeah I would hope so I mean you didn't see this did feel a lot different than Halloween and uh, it's it did kind of have a lot more comedy to it than some of his yeah, other movies for sure. so, yeah 
a lightness to it. Yeah, but, there were parts of things about this movie that I like absolutely loved, and there were things where I was just like bored or like yeah, just thought were bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree on the pacing uh, that you mentioned. Uh, th- those are one of the things that jumped out to me is like, wow, this movie's like so slow, and the theme song is like so slow, and there were scenes that just went on for way too long than they than they uh, were supposed to. Um, I that, that kind of hurt, hurt it for me. Yeah, agreed. Like, it's funny to talk about this seven-minute fight scene, but, like, as you're watching the movie, it yeah. wasn't that fun. <laughs> no, you're just like, what the, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. I think with some of these movies, we suffer for watching them by ourselves. Like, if we were watching this together, we probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because like we could have laughed at the fight instead of just being like, when is this going to end? Yeah, like in a the theater or something, maybe, with a group of people. Yeah. That, that's kind of what, uh, you know, we had talked about with, like, Friday the 13th and some of these older classics. Like, they, they make for, like, great, like, group viewing uh, experiences. But as someone just watching it on your own on a computer, you're just like, yeah, when's this going to move on? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, on that note, from zero to five sunglass fist fights, what do you give this? <laughs> uh, I might have to give this, like, a, a two just because I really like the concept and, uh, you know, I think the, um, you know, the story like, uh, you know, brought, brought to light some really interesting issues that I think are, you know, still relevant today, but overall the execution, the acting, the production value, uh, was a little low for me. So I, yeah, I think I'd give it a two. How about you? I give it a three. Like there was a large chunk of this movie that I really liked. I love the central theme. I think they could have hit the central theme harder and like explored that more. Mm-hmm. and instead they've spent a really long time on scenes that just didn't matter. Like yeah. the hostage scene we didn't need, seven-minute fight could have been a two-minute fight, or just, yeah. okay, some sunglasses, thanks, I'll put them on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, so, I think, but I liked yeah, it. They they also could have ramped up the scares, too. I mean, if he was going for the sci-fi horror genre, I think they could have amped that up a little bit, like with more like interaction or close encounters with aliens. yeah. For sure. Definitely could have hit that harder. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. Anything else, man, before we close up shop? No, I'm good. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that's all for this episode. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion about They Live. And if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club Podcasts on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. Or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Uh, you can check Facebook or Twitter to see what movie we're going to do next week in case you want to watch it first. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so look her up on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you discover aliens are taking over the world, get set to sweat and be careful who you tell because Mama don't like tattletales. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. I just want the listeners to know I ain't daddy's little boy no more. <laughs> Thank you.